Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Six minutes past eight o'clock here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman. On this Tuesday, January 16th, the morning after the Iowa caucuses. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been some period of time. And most importantly, we want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. That's President Trump last night. 51% of the vote. So a big win in Iowa. And that's followed by Ron DeSantis, 21%. Nikki Haley in third place at 19. And Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, made the decision to get out of the race because of his 7% fourth place finish last night. All of which to set up, uh, what an exciting morning to have a U.S. congressman in the House, in the studio, District Number 9, and he's no stranger to this station. He is Congressman Richard Hudson. Welcome back to the studio. Hey, good morning. Great to be here. It's great to have you here. I'm so excited that you're here, and I, I want to point out how um, lovely you are, that you ended up, this is kind of my birthday present, that you came in to, to hang out in the studio with us because you sent me a text on my birthday last week and you're like, how exciting. And I said, well, you know, it would be a great present is if you would actually join us on the show. And here you are. Thank Here you. I am. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving the I whole know, hour long. The whole hour long. So I appreciate the fact that you made time for us today, especially on such a big political day. I mean, I'm looking up at the screens above us. We have Nikki Haley is on CBS Mornings um, after coming in third in the Iowa caucus. What are you thinking as you're looking at these numbers? I mean, Trump won with more than 50 percent. Um, and now we're headed into New Hampshire a week from today. Well, I think, you know, the president had a resounding victory last night, and it wasn't a surprise to me. I was one of the first members of Congress to endorse the president uh, because his policies made us safe and made this country strong. And, you know, I think uh, President Biden and the Democrats are going to try to make this election about personalities. I think ultimately it's going to come down to the policies. And the American people, I think, have made up their mind that President Biden's policies have made their lives uh, much harder. Things cost much more. Uh, We are less safe in the world. We have a wide open border. I mean, just uh, and and so when you compare your life when Trump was president to your life today, I think the American people are going to return President Trump to office. Were you surprised by the order of the finish last night? I wasn't that surprised. You know, we've seen Nikki Haley surge, and so um, I think that was really the only question mark of last night was would Nikki Haley finish second or third? And you know, I think it's it's very close between her and, and Governor DeSantis. I think New Hampshire, she's obviously got an advantage. Um, but, but at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about who's finishing distant second and distant third. Uh, President Trump is, is going to be the nominee. My question now is, and if you heard President Trump, uh, it, we've been listening to moments of his, uh, his speech last night, and it's the most conciliatory sounding Trump that I've heard in a while. And, you know, he thanked the other people that were in the race. Um, He talked about uh, bringing everybody together. And I wonder, you know, we got a week till New Hampshire. Ron DeSantis is not even going to New Hampshire. He's headed straight to Florida. I'm sorry, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, Haley's going there because the the polling that we see there is a lot closer between those two. But um, what what is Trump's strategy as he as, as we expect will pick up more of these victories? What will he try to do as it relates to the Republican Party at large? Well, I've been impressed with President Trump uh, this time around. I think he's running a much more disciplined campaign. They had a, a very professional organization in Iowa, which I think helped contribute to the results we see there. Um, but I think 
you know, the president's had President Trump has had an opportunity to really think through this. You know, he's he's been out of office for three years now. Um, I think that he's used that time well, and I, and I think we are seeing a more disciplined, more focused President Trump. Um, I, I really, you know, I thought the town hall he did on Fox News uh, about a week ago, he did a really good job of, of talking about the stakes for the country, talking about the fact that it's it's not about him, it's about the American people. Um, and I thought, I agree with you, I thought last night he did a good job of of uh, recognizing Governor Berg, Bergen, um, who was there supporting him, uh, recognizing the others. I, I think he looks uh, presidential. I think he is, he is going to be the nominee, and he understands that. And, uh, and and so I, I think uh, I'm excited to get this primary done and, and get get onto the main show. You were right about the uh, the town hall. I kept saying last week that he had a it was a good night for him to have a good night leaving it leading into the uh, the Iowa caucus. Do you think you know it's hard to think about the primaries coming down the road and not think about some of the um, coinciding legal battles that are going to happen along with his campaign trail. Do you see that benefiting Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis if uh, one or the other you know, cho- chooses to stay in the race against him? Do you think that some of the, the voters who may have been Trump supporters turn to a DeSantis or turn to an alternative like Nikki Haley? Well, I think the American people see these prosecutions for what they are. They're political. Um, you know, there's no basis for them. And I think that's why every time Trump got a new indictment, you saw his poll numbers soar. I think it's because the American people reject these kind of political interventions through the courts. I think that's that's one of the big indictments on the Biden administration is, is you've got, you know, the, the history of this country. What's great about this country is everyone's equal under the law. And uh, institutions like the FBI and the Department of Justice and our court system need to remain neutral. And it, it, regardless of your party affiliation or your socioeconomic status or where you live, uh, you ought to be get the same fair treatment in court. And I think the American people are seeing that's not the case right now. And, and I think that's why you're seeing President Trump do so well is because the American people are sick of it. They believe he's the one person who'll stand up to, to the system and, uh, and restore it the way it used to be. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo and Beth here in studio today with Congressman Richard Hudson from District Number 9. You know, the last time we talked to you uh, was by phone almost a year ago, right after uh, you know, the big uh, the Kevin McCarthy battle for speaker and then the Mike Rogers incident. And you had to, you know, you intervene and we had you on talking about that situation. It's crazy to think all that's happened since then. I mean, obviously, McCarthy's gone. Now you have uh, Mike Johnson in there. And uh, I guess... Uh, what 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 about the last year since we last talked? I mean, how how are you liking the new speaker? Are you surprised that we've already moved on to another new speaker? I mean, stuff happens quickly there in D.C. Yeah, things things move fast. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> like Ferris Bueller's day off. Um, no, it, it's it's been a wild year, and you know, one of the things uh, I've I've picked up on is you know, Republicans we like to have our fights out in the front yard where all the neighbors can see it. Uh, it's kind of messy. Uh, but, you know, unlike the Democrats in Congress who kind of line up behind their leader and do what they're told, our, our people are all kind of independent minded, uh, you know, but we all ran for office uh, to because we were worried about the direction of this country and we wanted to, to put us on a new path. And and so at the end of the day, we were able to come together and uh, and and, uh, and get things done. You know, we've we ran last election on a, a commitment to America pledge and and we've We've been able to pass legislation like H.R. 1, which is our energy bill, and H.R. 2, H.R. 5 is the Parents' Bill of Rights. 
Um, you know, we, we've kept the promises we made to the American people as House Republicans. Uh, you know, we can't control the Democrat Senate and the Democrat in the White House. Uh, so a lot of that legislation hasn't become law yet. But I think by doing what we told the American people we would do, uh, they're going to tr- we're going to have trust built with them when we go back this election and ask them to give us a bigger majority. Well, have you been frustrated by the the small group of Republicans that have kind of I mean, some people would describe it as going rogue or not really coming together that has kept you all from maybe passing more legislation and 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 being less effective than you could have been if they had uh, maybe been more willing to come to the center or more willing to come to the table with negotiation points? Has that been a, a point of frustration for Republicans? And what are the conversations behind closed doors when you look at the number of bills passed over this last congressional session versus other sessions in the past? It, it is frustrating when you have these family discussions where, again, we, we share the same goals. You know, yeah. We want to reduce spending. We want to end inflation. We want to make the country safer. Um, we want to end the woke policies in the federal government. There's so many goals we share uh, but, you know, I, we've had what's been described as a civil war on tactics where, you know, we fight tooth and nail about how to get there. Um, you know, part of that, I think, is healthy uh, and it's good to have that kind of debate. Uh, and But I think it, it boils down to, you know, we've got so many members of Congress, maybe north of 60 percent of our Republican conference that are, have been in Congress only a couple terms and really uh, haven't learned how to be effective and how the system works. Um, because, you know, it's when I when my career in football peaked at AG Middle School here in Charlotte, um, I, go learned, Bulldogs. Yeah, go Bulldogs. Um, I learned that you don't win games by throwing a three Hail Marys and punting every time um, you've got to you've got to make first downs. And and I think that's frustrating to people who run for Congress to change the country. They get there and say, all right, let's you know, let's fight. Uh, but but I want to fight and win. Yeah. And sometimes getting first downs gets you. Uh, to where you want to be much more effectively than throwing Hail Marys every time. And and so that that's really continues to be the debate. You know, do, do we shut down the government to make a point about the open border? Uh, that sounds like a great idea until you think that through. And how does that end? How do we come out of that shutdown? And what policy objectives have we achieved at the end of that? And, uh, and, and so it's really not a great idea. And so the, these are the kind of discussions we have. It is frustrating. Uh, but the good news is we all want to make the country better. And, and so I'm, I believe at the end of the day, we'll come together and, and make the right decision. So how do you get the cooler heads to to prevail? Because you're right that, that at the end of the day, you want what's best for the country. What about the people that are ready to throw that Hail Mary? How do you convince them as the quarterback, you know, to come in and say, hey, we actually need to be thinking not just about the press headline, but about every single person that this impacts. Well, it's not just the Hail Mary. It's also, uh, if we're using another, uh, you know, football uh, anecdote here. Yeah, I couldn't think of another football anecdote. (laughs) Well, Hail Hail Mary's going for it all out of the gate, but you also have some people who uh, get the first down and want to go say, you know, give the big first down signal and say, I did that, I did that. And and I I think what I hear you saying is you've got to have the people behind the scenes that aren't, you know, know, lunging for the spotlight who are making things happen as well. No, I think that's true. And, and, you know, I really believe we've got a, a group of Republicans in Congress who love their country, who are doing this for the right reasons. Um, I think w- we're going to continue to be effective. Uh, but again, we just uh, we keep we keep having these you know, airings of our dirty laundry in the front yard where all the neighbors can see it. So it just it looks messy. It feels messy. Uh, but but if you look at what we've achieved, we've done what we said we were going to do. And, um, you know, we're going to we're going to find a way to, to get through the, the, the current spending 
mess we're in so we can start the next one, which, uh, which begins next month. So how would you describe the dynamic working with Johnson as your, as your leader versus McCarthy? Well, I'm very close to, to Speaker Johnson um, as I was to, to Speaker McCarthy. I, and I think what happened to the Speaker McCarthy was a travesty. I think it was a huge mistake to throw him out. I think he was doing a good job for the American people. Um, so I, I really hate that that happened. But, but Mike Johnson and I have been friends since he got to Congress. He's one of the most thoughtful, most intelligent people I know. He's a constitutional lawyer. Uh, he's a man of deep faith. Um, he's someone who, when he was vice chair of our conference, which is one of the lower positions in leadership, uh, in, in our meetings was often the one who would stand up and remind us what the constitutional principle was that we were we were, should be focused on. And, and so he was he was someone who who uh, we all respected very much. Didn't see it coming that he was going to be the next speaker, but but thank God he is. I, I think he's doing a tremendous job. He's you know again someone who's very humble, someone who's not looking for the spotlight for himself, but trying to help the team be successful. And I think uh, the process he's he's been leading us through, which is a whole lot of discussions. You know, best question: How do you get through uh, disagreements like this? The way we've done it is we get in a room and talk, and we get small groups uh, that are cross sections of our conference together and talk, and, uh, and and just try to get to an understanding where where each side can understand where the other one's coming, and and ultimately remind us that uh, you know, our goal is to change the direction of this country on behalf of the American people. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110 WBT on this Tuesday. We have U.S. Congressman Richard Hudson, D9, in studio with us this hour. And uh, lots to talk about. Uh, Of course, uh, Iowa last night, President Trump gets a convincing win. You have to say that. 51% got what he was looking for last night. Uh, Nikki Haley finishes third. She's on her way to New Hampshire now. Ron DeSantis is going to skip New Hampshire, head straight to South Carolina. We've talked a lot about uh, what happened on the Republican side. And of course, there were no Democratic caucuses last night. Those have been moved to March. But I do want to talk uh, for a minute here about what happens in the general election, because uh, it looks like it's going to be Trump. Quite frankly, it looks like it's going to be a repeat of of the last go round. And uh, Congressman, as it relates to Biden, I, I think people are watching the Democratic race and they see Trump and they see Biden. Um, and, and even though they're not that far away from each other age wise, I think it's I mean, it's not even arguable that Trump looks <laughs> he, he looks a, a little more up for the task physically than Biden does. Biden's just had some moments over the last several years where you wonder, um, you know, the age factor to finish out this term is one thing. But going forward, what are your thoughts on on the you mentioned earlier, you said uh, you can't control the Democrat in the White House. What about the Democrat in the White House, and what about a second term for Biden? Well, I think if you look at the poll numbers nationally, the American people have made up their mind about President Biden, and, and they don't like his policies. They think he's making their lives harder, making them less safe. Their neighborhoods are less safe. In um, poll after poll, his job approval is very low. If you look on the issues, American people trust Republicans more than, than Democrats on the economy, on safety in their neighborhoods. Um, but but if and, and then you look at this wide-open border, I mean, you know, Thousands of people every day coming across illegally. Uh, people, 
you know, the, the people that were that, that come in and surrender and, and want to claim asylum is one thing, but it's the people, the getaways, the two million that we know came across that we don't know who they are, we don't know where they are, we know among them are terrorists. Uh, it's terrifying to people. And, and then you look at the fentanyl coming across. There was a story um, in Fayetteville the other day. A, a man was arrested with 1,600 fentanyl pills mm. with rainbow colored. And so you know those were targeted for children. Um, the American people are sick of it. And, and so if this, if, this is a, if this rematch that looks like it's going to be uh, is about policy, then President Trump's going to win running away with it. Um, you know, the Democrats are going to try to make it about personality. They're going to talk about Trump's mean tweets, you know, all these other things. They're going to try to make this election about, um, but but if it's about policy, if it's about uh, is your, was your life better off in you know, February of, of 2020 or is it better off today, uh, then, then I think uh, President Trump's going to win. Now, one of the other things when it comes to security, and this is a big issue for you, so I wanted to get your take on it, the security of our grids. This has been something that we have dealt with here in our state because we had people that came in and shot up some grids in, in different areas of our state. What is... What is it that that you're working to do to secure something like that? I mean, it's been a discussion even here on the show after um, the big Netflix movie that came out, you know, the Leave the World Behind, where an attack comes in that affects just our basic way of life, things like power, things like access to the Internet. These are things that you like to focus on. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I now live in Moore County in Southern Pines, and, and a year ago, December, we had an attack of our power grid, and, and we were without a power for five, six days, and it was devastating to our community. Um, and, you know, think about folks who who require electricity to power their oxygen machines or, you know, folks that need to keep insulin cold. Um, you know, it, it was winter, so in that case, you could put it outside, I guess. But um, but but it was a very scary time. It was uh, devastating to businesses. Um, you know, fortunately, our hospital had a backup generator, and, and, and our healthcare system wasn't impacted. Um, but but it, it showed us how vulnerable our power grid is to an attack. Uh, this was a well-planned attack by someone who was a very good shot and knew exactly where to shoot. Um, it was not you know somebody who drank too many beers and decided to shoot up a power station. This was this was a planned attack, very well executed, very sophisticated, um, and. And so I've been working uh, to, to, to try to strengthen our grid, to try to ask fundamental questions about what we need to do to, to keep our community safe. Um, I, I had a, our, I'm on the Energy and Commerce Committee that has jurisdiction over this, and, and I, I got our committee to come down and actually do a hearing in Moore County, and we got to hear from the locals about the impact. We got to hear from Duke Energy, uh, who, who did a tremendous job. Um, they had people out in the freezing cold working 24-7 to get this substation back working. So they were real heroes in this. But, but trying to understand the scale of this problem. And, and for me, the question was, what if, what if it wasn't one or two substations? What if it was 10 or 12? What if it was well-coordinated to take out an entire region? Uh, and, and because of the lack of, of uh, uh, pieces of equipment that you need to, to repair these substations and, and back up uh, – pieces to replace the ones that were shot uh, because of the delay in time it takes to get those I mean if, if, if you if you took out enough we could be without power for months and, and now you're talking about a lot of loss of life and a real challenge and so um, one of the things I've done is, is in this year's energy water preparations bill I got 1.6 billion dollars to strengthen our grid and to uh, stockpile supplies and do the things we need to do to, to try to be prepared for this again uh, but but this is this is a, a fundamental question that, that we haven't really wrapped our hands around completely is, 
is uh, is how vulnerable our grid is. But we're going to continue to make steps to improve it, um, to make it a less attractive target for potential terrorists, whether it be foreign or domestic, uh, to, to try to make sure we keep our folks safe. Back at it here in the Tyboid studio. One final segment here with U.S. Congressman Richard Hudson, District 9, longtime member of Congress. I want to talk about uh, some of these other races in North Carolina before we're done, but we did have a caller a few minutes ago. Yeah, that's what I love about this show is people are listening and they're thinking, ah, oh, this is a great way for me to talk directly to the to the congressman. The, this caller wanted to ask specifically, and you touched on this a little bit um, a little bit earlier in the hour, the fentanyl crisis, and that there's such an overwhelming amount of fentanyl that is reaching um, students, uh, people who are addicts, that, that, that this is a, a crisis that some people don't understand understand the severity because of, of, of how much access there is to this suddenly, um, whether it be because through the southern border or, or, or people right here in our country. No, it's, it's the fentanyl crisis is, is a devastating crisis here in this country. Um, and fentanyl, it's, it's, for folks who don't know what it is, it's a very dangerous drug. Um, it does have some legitimate purposes, but uh, the Chinese Communist Party of China started shipping uh, fentanyl to America, and and the drug cartels were using it to lace other drugs because it makes it more addictive, and and it makes you want to come back and get that drug. So it's it's kind of a it's a, it's an edge in competition with other drug dealers, and so they started lacing drugs with it. And so you know, back when I was a student here in Charlotte, you know, my parents told me stay away from drugs because they're bad for you. Right. Um, but if but if I took one pill, I wasn't. It, I wasn't worried about dying. That, that's the case now. Uh, I've talked to so many parents of children who, you know, they say, you know, please don't stop calling a fentanyl overdose because my kid wasn't taking fentanyl and took too much. My kid took one pill they thought was, you know, something like Molly, and it had fentanyl in it, and they died from one pill. Uh, it is it, it is such a dangerous drug, and now the cartels are making it in Mexico. Uh, the Chinese are still supplying a lot of the, the, the components for it, but but it's flooding across our southern border, and, and it's flooding into every city, every town in America. You know, I mentioned uh, just this week uh, someone was arrested in Fayetteville with 1,600 pills that were rainbow-colored. They were obviously marketed to children. They look like candy. They look like candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a uh, concern right after Halloween, uh, a school in southern Virginia where five kids had to be rushed to the hospital because they had fentanyl-laced gummy bears. Um, fortunately, those kids lived, but but so many are dying from this, and and it's again, it's just one of the the problems with having a wide open southern border where the cartels can bring across anything they want, anytime they want. They control our border; we don't. You're the NRCC chair. Uh, we've talked about some congressional races. I do want to ask you about two North Carolina races. We got about a minute and a half here, but I'm just curious. Just some uh, some real quick thoughts on this governor's race, where you have you know you've got Dale Falwell, you've got Mark Robinson, now Bill Graham's in the race on the GOP side, and one of those three will likely take on Josh Stein. Well, Josh Stein's one of the uh, most liberal extremist politicians we've got in the state. I think he's been a disaster as Attorney General, and and so I think. Any one of those Republicans you mentioned will, will will be able to beat him in the general election. We've got a very vigorous primary, uh, and I'm officially staying out of it, but I think it's likely our lieutenant governor will be the next uh, nominee for governor. And uh, there are many years when people don't even know who's running for attorney general, and now this year— Dan Bishop versus Jeff Jackson is is the clash of match. the titans. <laughs> I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? Get your popcorn ready, right? No, this will be great. You know, they're both uh, very capable politicians, both very smart, both very effective. 
you know, I'm obviously with Dan Bishop. I think uh, he will be one of the best attorney generals in America. Um, he's he's a, a strong conservative, a very smart lawyer. Uh, I think he'll be an outstanding attorney general. But that race uh, will probably be the most expensive race in the history of the state for attorney general. And uh, and uh, get your popcorn ready. And really quickly, some of the down ticket races as the chairman of the NRCC, you're thinking about maintaining control of the House. Uh, how do those down ticket races look? Well, I'm very excited about our prospects for growing this House majority because of the polling, because of where the American people are, but also because our focus has been on picking up seats that Joe Biden can win uh, by having a strong candidate who's a woman, a minority, a veteran, someone with a compelling life story, the kind of people you actually want in Congress. And we've recruited folks all across the country, like uh, Prasanth Reddy, who immigrated from India as a child. He's a cancer doc, joined the Air Force after 9-11. Uh, very exciting. Allison Esposito, New York 18. She's a former NYPD detective. Uh, she was the the 22 uh, nominee for lieutenant governor in the state of New York. Very exciting candidate. Uh, George Logan in Connecticut, first first generation American. Parents immigrated from Guatemala. Uh, former state senator uh, Kevin Lincoln in California. He's Hispanic, African American, Republican mayor of a Democrat city of Stockton. Uh, he's a Marine. Beautiful family. I mean, I could go on and on. We've got candidates like this across the country. Uh, I believe we're going to grow our House majority. And we have a uh, a six-way GOP debate for District 8 in North Carolina coming up on the 31st at uh, Wingate University. So uh, things are heating up. Iowa last night, I mean, that's the the first real... we're first, in it now. The, the first horses are out of the gate. And so it's uh, it's always great to have a U.S. congressman in studio with us for an hour. We thank you, uh, Richard Hudson. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Love to do it anytime. Thanks for having me.